Hi, this is Andy Starr from Ecology Plus Vision. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Noak Show starts in 3, 2, 1... Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847 475 1590. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Nova. Or is it the other way around? I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Depends, depends how much food I've had at any point in time. <laughs> and, and we're coming up on that season here, too, where uh, all you do is eat. Eat and eat and eat and eat all cookies, day long. Cookies, cookies. I mean, we could say Ariana was the lean one here, too. <laughs> we, could, we could say Brandon is, too. It's Except like, Ariana's lean and pink. I am. Uh, I haven't been lean since my early 20s. Uh, well, neither have I. It's been a lot longer than, than for you <laughs> since my early 20s. Ah, good morning, everybody. Hey, what happened to... No, we never did have... We still haven't really had an autumn, have we? No. We kind of went from summer to winter. We, we had like a that. sort of leaf dump, but uh, half of them the were still in dump, the trees. Yeah. It's so interesting. I got saw so many uh, people fost, uh, fosting on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> boy, when you fost on Facebook, <laughs> that's really the best. Uh, I saw people putting their photos of their trees. Uh, got a very interesting uh, uh, post from Susie Eyre up at Rich's Fox Willow Pines about this ginkgo tree that where the leaves hadn't even turned yellow, and then they just kind of went boom and Don't. dropped. Um, so uh, it's been interesting stuff this week. And as a matter of fact, later in the program, I'm very pleased to say at the very last second this morning, <laughs> I picked up the phone and I called Dr. Rex Bastian uh, from the Davy Tree Expert Company, and uh, he uh, he picked up, unfortunately for him. And I said, hey, you got to talk to us about what's going on with the trees. And he said, okay. So he'll be on later uh, to to explain, you know, because he's the science guy, Dr. Bastian. Dr. Tree. Dr. T- well, he, I don't know if he is Dr. Tree, but he's been doing this a long time. And he said, well, you know, I'm living down in southern Illinois. And I'm like, that doesn't make any difference. The, the weather happened here. You know, you've, you, you've lived through Chicago winters before. Mm-hmm. So he's going to uh, talk to us about uh, what happened to your trees uh, and uh, whether it's serious or not. And uh, I am, I'm not even going to give you a hint. Uh, but they're so all cool. they're all going <laughs> to I know they're all going to be dead by December 15th. I'm just saying. OK, nah. Uh, he'll explain what's going on. So that that's sort of out of the blue. I'm very happy that that's going to happen. Uh, but we actually do have stuff, other stuff planned for today, believe it or not. 
and it starts in the first hour with a woman, um, you know, one of these one of these these punk kids who comes up with this genius idea mm-hmm. and then helps thousands of people throughout the world, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, because she had this brilliant idea. And I'm like, well, how come I didn't think of that? Um, well, because I'm not her. Uh, and uh, her name is Anna Stork, and her partner is Andrea Sreshta. And they came up with this company called Luminade, and it's a, based on this light, very portable light that you can fold up, and it's got solar panel on it, and you can ship it easily. And, 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 and you can charge your phones off of it even now. Can you really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. And they've been helping the folks in Puerto Rico with that and folks in Texas, uh, folks all over the world who have experienced natural disasters. And they need. And the one thing you never think about, you think about food and water, you don't think about light. I mean, you think about power, but why do you need power? Well, not just for computers and cell phones. You need power for light. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to get light into these areas without electricity. How cool is that? Genius. And she was, you know, apparently on Shark Tank, and she's been working with Mark Cuban. And I'm like, okay, uh, you know, one of these days in my life, I'm going to come up with some <laughs> of that. I'm still waiting. I'm still working on it. It'll happen. So we start the show with her, and that's just great. And then in the second hour... Very pleased to have from Chicago, the 32nd Ward, Alderman Scott Wagesback, who, got to say it, might end up running against Rahm Emanuel for mayor in 2019. Who knows? Could be. And I'm going to tell him when he comes in here, if he does, I'm going to work for him. Okay? I'm just going to lay it out here. Official voice of the campaign. (laughs) Official. If he needs one, I'm here. Uh, but we're not going to talk about, th- we're going to, we'll, we'll touch on that. We will touch on that. Just touch so lightly, ever so lightly. Uh, but we're going to talk about recycling, the bane of my existence and of Scott's and of other people in Chicago. Mm-hmm. If you ever try to recycle, you know what I'm talking about. And it doesn't seem to get any better. And now we've got budget talks going on in the city of Chicago. What's going to happen? And the contract for the haulers is up in april have they done well we don't know there's been no audit of what they're doing so we're going to talk to alderman numbers measurements Ah, that's for peons who needs transparency that's just silly transparency i got your transparency right here pal all right that's all on the mike novak show with peggy molecki we will be right back Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. 
health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. So what's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be then donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner's Supply Company. Go to ampleharvest.org holiday to learn more. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. I'm Mike Jackson, host of Mike Jackson Outdoors Radio, Sunday mornings, 7 to 9 a.m. here on 1590 WCGO. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, we have an Ariana sighting. She's right there. You can see her on Facebook with her purple hair and uh, everything. And it does kind of look purple, but it, it is it, pink. It, 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 you were close. Yeah, it's true. Close enough. <laughs> she's, she's coordinating with her laptop cover. Yes, That's right. exactly. And, and your CD case. And my CD. <laughs> okay. Ooh, let's see if it matches. Uh, there we are. It's pretty close. Yeah, hey, I got, the pink, I got the pink thing going here, look too. So. How about that? Uh, so we're all color-coordinated here, except for Brandon. Who is uh, who is in his usual black? I wear black every day. He yeah. wears black every day because he's a death puppy. Okay, <laughs> this is what we used to call them back in the day. We called them death puppies. Death puppy. Death puppy. That's what he is. I I can't believe Ooh, I came up with. That sounds scary. It is scary. And Brandon. Brandon's is, not do, scary. Do we want to know where that? Brandon comes from? is terrifying. Okay. Uh let's uh, let's go to our. <laughs> Our first guest who is on the phone, uh, Anna Stork, who's the co-founder of the Chicago-based company Luminade, and there's so much to say about it. Let me just welcome you to the program. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I don't know if we measure because uh, you've been in pretty fancy places in the last... <laughs> Last few years, uh, you, uh, you don't, you're not actually having coffee with Mark Cuban this morning, are you? No, I'm not. That would be nice, though. <laughs> it would be nice for any of us. All right. Uh, and uh, uh, Anna, how do you pronounce your partner's last name? Andrea Shreshta. 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 Okay, that's what we thought. Okay. It's pretty much the way it looks. Uh, Anna and Andrea... And that's that's the that's funny enough there the Anna and Andrea um uh decided uh I don't know uh it, you know it probably doesn't seem like that long ago but when you look at it now we're talking about 7 8, eight years since you guys really started working on this right yeah, it was a really, it was a while ago. It's gone by quickly, and we still think of our company as a startup, and I don't think it's classified as a startup <laughs> no. anymore. But, yeah, we started it while we were students in 2010. Um, so we were students, so we were kind of, we don't really call that, like, the starting date for our business. But, yes, it was 2010 when we first came up with the idea. 
and I need to ask you about that. Where were you going to school? So we were both getting our master's in architecture at Columbia University in New York. In New York. Okay. Not Columbia College in Chicago, but Columbia University in New York. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, where are you from originally? I am from, I'm from outside of Boston and Andrea is from Houston, Texas. And we, we both went to our undergrad on the East coast. And then we met up while we were in graduate school for architecture. And then Andrea actually went to business school at Chicago booth. So that is her connection to Chicago. And then we relocated our company over here, uh, like maybe in 2012 or 13, we all, we all, well, me, I moved over here as well, and then we started hiring people here, and it's been a great city for us, so we, we really like it a lot. Well, let me ask you that question, since we're considering, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos needs to come to, uh, or Bezos, however you pronounce it, needs to uh, have $2.5 billion worth of incentives to show up in Chicago. What kind of incentives, <laughs> what's kind of, how many billions did you get from the city of Chicago to relocate here? <laughs> we didn't get any money to relocate, but... We have had a lot of support from the, from Chicago Booth, from the Clean Energy Trust, which is a, which is a organization here, and they we actually won the Clean Energy Challenge, which was a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and that was a really a really nice contribution to our company, and and did um, really kind of firm up our desire to relocate over here. So there's a, there's a ton of support here. Yeah. You know, a hundred thousand dollars as a way of solidifying things, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, so now folks are thinking, well, what the heck are they doing? How, how did they get this money and why? So what I'd like you to do is go through the, the very beginning, the genesis of the project and the product that you were putting together when you were in school. Where where did you get the idea and how did it develop? Sure. So Andrea and I were, it was January of 2010 and it was towards the end of January and the, and the, um, the earthquake in Haiti had just occurred. So if you remember in 2010, there was a huge earthquake like right off I think it was right off the coast of Port-au-Prince mm-hmm. and it really just wiped out yeah. the city there. And there were tons, millions of people that were homeless and, and just the electrical grid before the earthquake was really, really unstable in Haiti. So afterwards there was just no, no chance of getting that back up anytime, anytime soon. And people were forced to live in these informal tent cities. So Andrew and I were sitting there in graduate school and we had a semester ahead of us where we had to think through a design project. And we were both looking at these aerial photos of Haiti after the earthquake and all of these people, you just saw these like colorful tent cities just with millions of people just on top of each other in these informal, colorful tents everywhere. And we just saw these like sprawling sprawling fields of tent cities. And one of the things that we were reading about was how unsafe it was at night for these people. Mm -hmm. And we saw pictures of these people in these tent cities. They had absolutely nothing. And they were, you know, huddled around candles and huddled around different things. And we were reading about what was being distributed and there was no form of lighting. And so we, we were just kind of thinking, why why isn't there a form of lighting that's distributed in disaster situations when light can really help to promote 
safety and help people start to kind of plan for tomorrow a little bit. And so we decided to design a lightweight solar rechargeable light that could pack flat, making it easy to distribute in large volumes in emergency. And solar was a great a great technology to to zero in on because it does have the opportunity to be really cost effective, to be rechargeable, to be long lasting. Mm-hmm. So we focused in on that. And then we spent that whole semester designing an inflatable solar light that packed flat. So the idea is that it packs up really small and then you inflate it into a lantern. So mm. when you inflate it, it diffuses the LED light and it's also totally waterproof and floats. So in like flooding situations and things like that, it's also really useful. Yeah. So we, we developed it there um, in that semester. And then the following year, we were also in school and we started entering business plan competitions. We didn't have any experience writing business plans or starting businesses, but we started entering business plan competitions Um and then shortly thereafter, we did a crowdfunding campaign um, in 2011, and that's when we raised money for our first production run. And that's really when we got it off the ground, started producing it, started distributing it to different organizations to test it out. And since then, we've just been growing, selling it online, selling it to retail stores as a camping item as well, and then also selling it to large disaster relief aid organizations in different parts of the world. End of story. Everybody lives happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. And there's light there's for all. To it, but, yeah. except, except there's a couple of gaps I need to fill. One of which yeah, is, did you have any kind of engineering background? How did you, for, how did you manage to figure out how to put this together? Yes, I studied. I studied engineering when I was in my undergrad, so that was very helpful, and it has been yes, very valuable to me. I would think and, so. Yes, <laughs> and then and Andrea studied architecture and design, and then also has a really good business background now. So we make a good combination in terms of our in terms of our skill sets, and we have gotten a lot of help along the way and advice from all those business plan competitions and things like that have been very valuable to us too. So one of the things is you, is getting your name out there for mm-hmm. disaster relief. And also, I know you guys have given lamps to Nepal and India and, and other places. How are you on the marketing side? How are you making people aware that you have these products? And for disasters, for example, we'll, we'll start talking a little bit about what you guys are doing with Chicago and some of the organizations here. How are organizations coming to you to get these lights? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I think for for us, one of the things that has been hugely beneficial is that we have a Give Light, Get Light program through our website. So customers can, they can purchase a light for themselves, so for their home emergency kit, and then they have the option of donating a light to one of our partner organizations. And we list, they, we have a little drop-down menu where you can choose the partner organization that it's going to, and we try to feature information about that partner mm-hmm. organization. But it's a really nice way for us to spread the word through our customers. And they are our biggest um, channel for marketing, more or less, because mm-hmm. they really they really help to promote it. And then we're lucky enough to work with a lot of large um, companies and then also organizations that want to donate lights. And so we kind of act as that as that channel to connect the organization on the ground with the one that wants to donate light. So the Chicago for PR is a really good example of that, where there were, there were after all of the devastation with the, the hurricanes that completely wiped out the Caribbean and parts of the U S um, this year, 
we had a number of organizations in in Chicago that reached out to us saying, we want to help. We want to donate lights to one of your partner organizations that's working on the ground. And so we partnered with a few um, clean energy organizations in the Chicago area, and mm-hmm. they they committed to matching a certain amount of money. So up to $20,500, they would match that amount of lights that are donated. So we're raising we're raising donations right now for one of our charitable partners in, that's doing work throughout the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. What what does the light retail for, or is there such a thing as retail for your light yet? We we do, yes. We sell them online, and we sell them through our site. We sell them in REI. We sell them in a, a, a number of retail outlets, also on Amazon. And they retail anywhere from... Nineteen ninety five to thirty nine ninety five right now. So there's a range. We have we have on the lowest end of nineteen ninety five. We have a product called the Nova USB, which is seventy five lumens. It has a micro USB port, so you can recharge it in addition to the solar panel, also with a five volt input. And then we also have on the high end at thirty nine ninety five, we have a phone charger product. So it's a lantern, but then it also can charge your phone. So that's all. That's one of the biggest needs right now in of in the Caribbean is a phone charger product. Yeah. I was watching your videos on, on Facebook. Um, they just, uh, you just came back from Puerto Rico where you were helping to distribute some lights. And I think you guys said that's the huge need there, that everybody has a cell phone and they're not able to recharge them. And you've put this it's, charger in now. It's very true. It was very timely because we launched a Kickstarter campaign last March for this it's called the Max Two in One Phone Charger. We launched it on Kickstarter. We had just started shipping it to customers mm-hmm. this spring, um, and then in the summer we had it in stock. We were ready, and the hurricanes just completely wiped out our stock because it was in so much demand. People really, people really do want to connect to their loved ones. They want to find out information. Just charging your phone is such a necessity, even yeah. more so. I mean, it's. Even more so than light in some ways, it's really, really important. Uh, you know, and how does that work? Uh, do you does it have just a, a USB port on it so that you can? And and how efficient is it for charging a phone? Because I know, depending on what I plug into, uh, uh, Peggy and I will go someplace, and for instance, we'll plug in. She'll be driving, and I'll plug into her car, and it might charge at one speed. Then I take it home and plug it into the wall socket, and it charges much faster. Uh, do you do you see that range in there? How efficient is that uh, the charging mechanism? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. We made it so it's it's a two amp output, which is equivalent to a wall outlet. So it's very fast charging. It has a two thousand milliamp hour battery, so it'll recharge most phones a hundred percent, unless it's a really large a large phone. But um, it'll recharge the same speed as a wall outlet, which is it's very fast wow. charging, which is helpful to people. And it works for all the phones? All phone types. So you just use your your cord that comes with your phone and you plug it in and it works right away. <laughs> that You know what? Can you come to Chicago and fix the recycling problem here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you seem to, to be uh, taking care of uh, the lighting situation. And I think uh, you need to explain how is it that the light um, can manage to be shipped and is lightweight what kind of uh, illumination uh, uh, device is in this? They're extremely bright. They have, so our Packlight Max 2-in-1 phone charger, the one that I was just talking about, that one is 150 lumens. So it'll light up, it'll light up 
a whole room very easily. It's almost too bright to read with. It's very, it, very it, bright. So it, yeah, is, is it an LED? Yeah, so it's just multiple LEDs, and they're multiple. all okay. multiple. Mm-hmm. It has it has LEDs that are that are kind of surrounding the product, so they go throughout the whole product, and it diffuses throughout this. It's a cube shaped lantern, so the LEDs just diffuse throughout the cube, and then the solar panels on the top, so you can you can leave it outside to charge. Uh, you can leave it in the rain; it's totally waterproof, mm-hmm. and then it'll charge in one 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 and a half days more or less and then you can also recharge it with a micro usb input if you need to how long does it hold the charge you know if you were if you were to have Mm -hmm. it charged you know i'm just thinking of you know power outages around here um if if you were to just keep it charged you know is it something you could use in your house yeah, can you power a radio station with it no, in well, case we need it here? That's a different. No, but if it, you know, for an emer- for just emergency for someone to keep around their home, you know, if they keep yeah. it charged. For sure. I think it's really important for people to have. I mean, everyone, when I was growing up, like my dad always had his stockpile of like bulky flashlights in our basement with like batteries. <laughs> and it was always like the biggest hassle to figure out like where the batteries were when there was the power. Yeah, out. and then the light bulb's gone up. out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, this is really, this is really kind of dummy proof. There's a built-in battery. It, it holds storage for over two years. So you can just leave it. You can charge it up, leave it in, leave it in, you know, wherever you keep in a cabinet or wherever you keep your first aid emergency supplies. And it'll yeah. be ready to go when you need it. So it's, it's hopefully very useful to anyone in terms of their, you know, home emergency kit. All right. I'll tell you what, uh, can we hold you on for another segment here? We got a short break, Anna, and I want to ask you about Puerto Rico because you went over there with these lights. Uh, uh, That is Anna Stork, uh, co-founder of Luminate. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. Let's face it. Sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain, too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Chicagoans are looking for ways to get healthier in 2017. Hi, I'm Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach this growing wellness market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 monthly readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and taking action. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health and lifestyle coaches, yoga classes, green landscapers, even home improvement and energy efficiency experts. Our dedicated readers pick up their free copies each month from more than 1,100 locations throughout the city and suburbs because they know it's the best source for information about healthy, green living in Chicago. Call me today at 847-858-3697 to learn more. That's 847-858-3697. And check us out at nachicago.com. Natural awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Hi, this is Bill from Playtime with Sid and Bill featuring Carrie Kendall. One to three every Sunday right here on 1590 WCGO.
Okay, we will get back to our girlfriend in just a second. Uh, but like it or not, we're headed into the home stretch of the year, and that includes gardening. I have my solar heater warmed hands on the, you know, and maybe we got to find a way to get uh, Anna Stork to do a, a heater from their little thing. But that's a, a hand warmer. <laughs> hand warmer, yeah. Uh, uh, but you want to get the uh, November, December issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine where you're going to learn about winter interest in the garden from my friend Kathy Jean Maloney. Thank you for holding that up to the uh, camera on Facebook Live. Uh, Carol Merrill there is holding up the magazine so you can see it. Uh, now, except that uh, Kathy Jean Maloney puts a bit of a twist on her article, which is appropriate for a twisted season, in a spirit that I appreciate, she has to be dragged kicking and screaming no. into, into the very idea of writing about winter interest. Hmm. Off kilter, strangely ironic. You don't think she's been reading my column on the inside back page of every issue, do you? That's crazy. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600, 888-265-3600. And the woman we have on the phone, Anna Stark, co-founder of Chicago-based company Luminade, you know, Anna, I got to put you in touch with the folks at Chicagoland Gardening Magazine because you were telling us during the break, and the folks on Facebook Live heard it, about a product that you're you're putting together, the Smart Solar Garden. What's that? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know we have to reach out to them. So the Smart Solar Garden is it's customizable solar-powered lights that all pack flat, so similar to our other lanterns. They all pack flat, and then... You can expand them into different shapes. So we have one that's a star lantern, a solar-powered star lantern, and another one that's a, it's called the gem. It's like a gem-shaped lantern. They're all waterproof, and they're just higher-performing solar lights for your garden that you can remotely control with your app. So you can control them all together. You can schedule them to turn on in the evening or to turn on auto at auto sunset. So when the sun goes down, you can schedule them all to turn on at a certain time. So we're just trying to add innovation and also some smart technology into the garden light sector. Just because we saw that it was really, we, we thought it was missing. Mm-hmm. We thought that there were some design elements and also some quality that was missing in that channel. And we really wanted to bring the innovation that we brought into our other channels into this channel as well. So we're really excited about it. We just launched them on Kickstarter a couple of days ago. And <laughs> so far, it's doing really well. You know, this Shark Tank thing has gone to your head. Uh, uh, but this is great and so if people pledge uh they make a pledge they can get uh uh some of the smart solar garden products how does that how does that work exactly so on kickstarter you can you it's called backing the project so you back the project you choose your pledge level and then we ship it to you we're shipping in june so it's Mm -hmm. actually kind of a pre-sell but it's really good deals like you can get you actually can get a 10 pack for for $3.99, so $39 each. So, And you can also buy an individual one if you want to just buy one, or you can buy groups of two or three. So we're giving them a lot of options. Yeah. And, it'll, yeah, hopefully it'll be exciting to see to see people use them in their garden. And we're, we're looking at your Kickstarter page right now. I see also, though, that for every pledge that you're donating a solar lantern for disaster relief. I, 
Exactly. So that's an important part of our company, and we wanted to make sure that it was continuous. <laughs> you, you, in... <laughs> you have to get that out there, Anna, because, uh, you know, the solar lights are in the garden are great, but, uh, you know, each pledge gets uh, one of those lights out for a disaster relief, so that's that's the best thing. So let's talk about that. Let's get back to the immediate thing you've been doing, because you mentioned Haiti earlier, and, and I know that you've been involved in uh, the Houston Relief Program. Uh, but in Puerto Rico. More, well, that was where I was going, is more importantly is Puerto Rico, um, because that is an area that needs it more than any other place right now. And uh, you made a trip down there. Can you tell me about your experience in Puerto Rico? Yeah, so to, to date, Luminade has worked with our partner with our partners and our customers to to distribute over 30,000 lights over the last eight weeks to different parts of uh, the Caribbean that was devastated by all of the hurricanes. So it's been an incredible, incredibly busy last eight weeks. And Andrea and I traveled down to Puerto Rico around two weeks ago just for a few, a few days to work with one of our partner organizations called Convoy of Hope to distribute some donated phone chargers and lanterns. So we were there we were we were also without electricity, without water, and it was. I mean, it was it, poor Puerto Rico. I actually lived there for a year when I was growing up, and it just is really, really devastated and really struggling mm-hmm. to to you know to get up and running right now. So people were incredibly grateful for the phone chargers and the lanterns. Yeah, I'm looking on. Um, there's a website called Status.pr that gives. Mm-hmm gives information on how far everything's recovered, and it says for power generation, it's still only at 47.8%. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when we were there, it was much less than that, and the running water situation is also just awful. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's a huge challenge for them to get to get back up and running. Yeah, so what's what's going on here in Chicago? With There's a program, Chicago Shines a Light, on Puerto Rico. Um where, like you said earlier in the interview, contributions are being matched up to 20500 by several foundations in Chicago, including the Hanley Foundation, the Lumpkin Family Foundation, plus uh, InvEnergy, sorry, I don't have that said right, InvEnergy Future Fund, and the Harold M. and Adeline S. Morrison Family Foundation. So it sounds like there's a lot of things happening in Chicago with the different environmental groups and environmental-focused foundations where people can donate lights. Yes, exactly. So on our website, luminate.com and then slash Chicago for PR. So four is in the number for mm-hmm. PR. Uh, uh, anyone can donate a light. It's $10 each. And then all donations will be matched by these very generous sponsors. So we're really grateful to have that support in Chicago. It's incredible to be able to work with these organizations to, to basically just uh, increase our impact. So we're really excited about it. And there's been a lot of donations thus far, and we're hoping to, to get even more in the coming weeks. Is there, is there a limit to how much the match will match? They're matching, they're matching up to $20,000. Twenty thousand wow. five hundred dollars. So it's a substantial amount of it is that can mm-hmm. be donated. And, and where, where where are the matching funds coming from? <laughs> from those organizations. So, the, so all of the organizations. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to date, can you tell me how many of your lights have gone out to relief around the world? Do you have any idea? To date, it's over 100,000 lights that have gone through our Give Like at Light program, through our disaster relief aid organizations. It's over 100,000 lights that have been distributed for 
um, disaster relief aid. Wow. Let's give that. I think it's a ding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and let us let us know when you get to a million, because that's obviously going to come very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, thank you. And, and so you you've all you know you're already in phase two or three or four, depending on how you look at it. Uh, what's the next? And obviously, moving into the garden area, what's what's the next development that you think is going to be important for Luminate? I think that we're realizing that the portable energy um, space, so like phone charging and other types of larger battery packs and systems like that are really valuable to people and just encouraging people to live more and more off grid Mm -hmm. by, by creating smart solar lights and smart solar systems. That's really our channel that we're looking into more and more and thinking through different types of solar panels that are available and different types of batteries. So we're really excited about this sector and this space and just encouraging people to live more sustainably in general, but then also connecting them to that greater mission of providing lights and energy to to people and individuals that don't have it. Uh, the question I have is because I was aware uh, through Kathleen, my partner Kathleen, several years ago, she was donating uh, to get BOGO lights to various mm-hmm. places. What's the difference between what you do and what BOGO light does? BOGO was actually one of the first companies that we read about when we were when we were designing this product. Um, they do, I actually, I don't know if, what what they're up to right now, but they were doing flashlights, so solar flashlights, so more right. tactical lights. Mm-hmm. They they didn't pack flat or anything like that, but they're they're really nicely designed solar flashlights. I believe that that company was doing, and they did have a buy one get one model. So that is a really popular model, more and more so in different sectors. And I'm glad that it is because it just kind of connects the dots for people in a nice way. Yeah, and 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 the thing again that's so important about your life is that you can pack it up. It's it's obviously durable, because mm-hmm. you know because it has the LED in there, so you're not worrying about shattering the lamp. Um, and what about damage to solar panel? I mean, how carefully do you have to pack, and how careful do folks need to be uh, in uh, using this uh, light? No, the. We, we do a lot of drop tests and durability tests and things like that for our disaster relief aid organizations. They require that and request it. And the product's really, really durable. Even the plastic material that it's made out of, it's made out of PPU, which is a very common material in like shoes and things like that. It's very durable and scratch resistant and also puncture resistant. So it's a, it's a very durable material to use. And the solar panel is also very sturdy. It's coated in like an epoxy resin. So it's very strong. Um, so there, there, there's not too much that can damage these products. Mm-hmm. They're pretty; they withstand a lot. <laughs> so you, you've gone through a lot of product lately. Unfortunately, this year, um, <laughs> how are you keeping up with production? Yeah, we, right now, I mean, inventory has been really challenging this this past three months because we did not expect such a big need. Um, such a big need due to the hurricane. So we've really been ramping up our production and just trying to keep up and to continue to grow our production. Also, just to make sure that we we are prepared for the next emergency. I think that's the biggest challenge for our company is that disaster relief aid really goes and it goes, it ebbs and flows. Like you never know. It's very, yeah. you can't, 
you just never know when it's going to happen. So you have to be ready. So that's one thing that we, as a smaller company, we have to be very conscientious of. Well, Anna, thank you so much for being with uh, Anna Stork uh, with uh, Luminade. If you want more information, go to Luminade.com, L-U-M-I-N-A-I-D.com. And all the information is there. You can support relief efforts. You can get involved with their garden products and get one for, and get one for yourself and check back with us uh, in the future. We want to know how you're doing, okay? Thank you very much. Thank All right, Santa. Trees are next with Bye. Dr. Rex Bastian. I hope you stick around for that. Hey, Ron Cowgill. Yes, Mike Novak. How would you like to drive the safest, quickest, and most capable sports utility vehicle in history? Legally? Of course legally. In fact, you would own it. Legally? Stop saying that. I'm talking about the Illinois Solar Energy Association, which is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X. You mean the one that comes standard, all-wheel drive, seating for up to seven adults, and up to 295 miles of range on a single charge? Yes. The one that can accelerate from zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds? Yes. How did you know that? I'm reading the script. Oh, well, then you probably know that only 2,500 tickets will be sold. They're 100 bucks each. You can purchase as many as you like, and the drawing is December 7th. Do I have to be present to win? Nope. Do I have to live in Illinois? Nope, just the lower 48 states. Is this the part where we read the disclaimer stuff really, really fast? Nah, this is where we tell people to get details at IllinoisSolar.org. You're good. Yeah. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Yeah, how's the demo going, Jim? It's going good, boss. You know, there's a lot of great material here. Where are we going to bring it? Total landfill. Where else? Seems like a bit of a waste. Maybe we should call up the Evanston Rebuilding Warehouse. The what? The Evanston Rebuilding Warehouse. You know, the place where you can donate reclaimed and reusable items for a tax deduction. Oh. And then people can buy those materials for their renovation or creative reuse projects. Well, what are we waiting for? Call them up. Sure, you can get all the info at Evanston. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You do it. I'm the boss. The Evanston Rebuilding Warehouse. Online at EvanstonRebuildingWarehouse.org. Hi, this is Blankita Cullum, host of The Hard Question. Join me weekdays at 4 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Put me in a special school, because I am such a fool. And I don't need a single book to teach me how to read. Who needs stupid books? They are for petty crooks. I know I've. Uh, uh, I was like, "Why does that I, sound familiar?" I, that I voice. I know I've <laughs> I've accomplished something when Ariana has to look at my cheat sheet to see Ooh. who this is. Yeah. That's Weezer. It's okay, Weezer. Weezer. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki. Ariana's here. Brandon's here. I even saw we had a a sonar sighting in the building. That's never good on the weekend. No, <laughs> no, it's not. When sonar comes in, oh dear. Well. If so, if we see Brandon run out of the studio for a second, we know that something's going on, and there's an, another dumpster fire in the back room. Okay, uh, let us go to the phone line and bring in a buddy of mine, Doctor Rex Bastian, who was on not very long ago, uh, uh, September twenty third. You were here, and we were talking about your award, and we were talking about other things. But uh, 
I got to thank you, Dr. Bastian, for being on the show because I picked up the phone this morning. Uh, I was trying to get somebody to talk about a weird phenomenon that's been going on in the Chicago area for the last few days, and that is trees dropping their leaves without them actually turning yellow or gold or red or turning color. And a lot of green leaves, we had a snow, and then mm-hmm. we, had, we had very cold, and then they all went plump, plop, and they just plopped down. So I thought, I've got to get Dr. Bastian on the show or somebody to talk mm-hmm. about this. And um, uh, Dr. Bastian is with the Davy Tree Care Experts, and uh, before that, the Care of Trees, and you've been doing this a long time. And welcome. Good morning, Dr. Bastian. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? I'm good. And you're now you're in southern Illinois right now, right? That's right. I'm down south of Carbondale, so, so way down on the southern tip of the state. Have you had any of this weather down there? Well, we just had our first uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of a hard freeze. Just uh, at the same time you were having what you were getting, the snow and the really cold up here, we just got down, you know, into the upper upper 20s. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of days where my little bird bath out on my deck was was uh, skimmed over with, with ice. I had to pull my little solar-powered fountain out of it, so... but. Uh, <laughs> We we were really uh, we've been really dry before uh, before this and uh, we you know because of the the drought we'd lost quite a few of our leaves on some of our trees but it was mainly more from heat stress. Well, and and I think all of this plays into what's been going on here. I've seen people posting photos of their trees and they're dropping leaves and uh, all at once here and and as I mentioned, a lot of them are still green. Uh, and we had a very long period of dry weather here in August and September, and then we had a lot of rain in October, uh, and, and then it got cold, uh, and we had a first snow the other day. Uh, and I think a lot of folks want to know, A, what's happening? What, why are the trees doing this? And B, are my trees in any danger? So maybe you can allay their fears a little bit, Rex. Yeah, okay, so... So what happens with trees is, you know, with the changing of the uh, longer night temperatures or shorter days, the trees begin to understand that that uh, winter is coming. This is on the deciduous side especially. And they begin to form a, a layer at the base of the leaf stem or the petiole that's called the abscission layer. And this, this layer uh, kind of forms during the fall and eventually allows the leaf to separate from the parent twig, either by its own rate, own weight, or uh, in response to wind, rain, or something else, kind of getting along a of it. Now, kind of what I'm kind of expecting that happened is with your kind of your mild fall weather, the conditions were were still pretty good for chlorophyll synthesis and for the leaves to come on. So they kind of stayed a little bit. Some of them stayed a little bit greener than they may have. Uh, with some normal temperatures, that would we be dropping down cooler. Uh, so the, the day length triggers some, but environmental conditions also plays a, a role. And then when you're, that really little cold snap came in, uh, I think it was, you said it was down to, what, 18 degrees, 19 degrees? In Chicago and out in the burbs, it got down as low as uh, 10 or 11 degrees. Yeah, so, so that can actually almost <laughs> freeze the moisture or the water that's in the leaves that the trees really haven't hadn't gotten ready for winter and you probably see that by the leaves being a little bit greener than uh, others and that'll vary by species to species but then uh, probably a lot of them just kind of got 
flash frozen on the trees, and then that can cause them, especially with a snow load, to just suddenly dump all their leaves in a you know in a hurry. Yeah, well, well, but here's here's part of the problem. That snow actually happened before the the big freeze, right, Peggy? Isn't that kind mm-hmm. of? Mm-hmm. And you had some odd stuff in your own backyard, right? Yeah, here's um, a maple tree at the front of my house. One day, boom, everything just dropped. Some of them are yellow, a lot of them are green, and it's still green on the tree, and all the seeds are still on the tree. Yeah, so that you'll get, when we get these early freezes, if that abscission layer hasn't gotten to a point to develop yet, uh, you can actually kind of just flash freeze the leaves right on the right on the trees and you might be going out in a, you know a week or so and those leaves will just be crunchy because mm-hmm. um, it, it pretty much just shuts down when those leaves get that kind of a hard freeze it pretty much shuts down any photosynthetic activity so I wouldn't expect any big changes in color or any other color development because all the physiology in the leaves was just frozen yeah so <laughs> uh, they uh, and they'll kind of hang on and that happens a lot of maples will will do that you'll see Norway maples persisting into even December, and then even some of the oak trees, especially the pin oaks and some of the red oaks, will normally hang on to their leaves mm-hmm. through most of the winter, and they won't drop until the following year, even though they'll a lot of turn brown yeah. and hang on the yeah, trees. Yeah, my oaks so, still pretty much are full of leaves. Right, and uh, so you know, this, this flash freezing may end up kind of causing some leaves to hang on more so than what they would until they just pretty much weather off because even the abscission layer can uh, kind of stop forming with that kind of a cold temperature because the physiology is kind of broken down. So it, it just like kind of suspends things. So how does this right affect that. next year's Yeah, it, 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 does this harm the tree at all? Well, it, it, normally we, we would rather see the temperatures drop gradually than I, I'm assuming a lot of people were just uh, even listening to the radio, you know, just like this tremendous cold temperature but really it was only down to 20 i mean if that would happen in late january we'd say that's a that's a pretty warm day but because it <laughs> kind of comes on right after the temperatures have been pretty mild it actually seems yeah. a little colder than what it is and that can affect insects and trees and other things in a similar fashion it can be a little harder on them if those with those rapid temperature swings as opposed to if things would just kind of gradually cool down uh, as we would kind of normally expect. But all of our weather patterns uh, with with the, the global warming are anticipated to have a lot more of these swings one way or another mm-hmm. yeah. rather than uh, uh, kind of a general cool down in the fall and a gradual warm-up in the in the spring. Or, or as our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio, who will be here in exactly an hour, says he calls it climate variability, and, and the we, things are variable now, and, and, and we can't count on what we used to be able to count on, so there's some kind of new normal going on mm-hmm. here, and I guess uh, part of it, Dr. Bastian, is that we have to just see how the plants are going to react to this and how they'll yeah, right. re- yeah. respond. It can be sometimes the same thing. Um, I know it, it might be interesting because I can remember something like this happening back in the early 90s. And the Christmas tree growers uh, that were growing a lot of Scotch pine, mm-hmm. all of their all of their trees really browned out. 
They really turned yellow and browned out right here before Christmas to the point where they Next. actually had to go out and, and spray some of mm. them oh, dear. green. Wow. And that was just because of a real sudden fall temperature drop yeah. where the, uh, the foliage hadn't really gotten hadn't really gotten ready for those colder temperatures. Yeah. So a lot of the new growth, uh, or the current season growth, what? just yellowed off. And- all right. Well, that's all the time we have. Dr. Bastian, thank you so much. Go to Davy yeah. Tree Care Experts for more information. We'll be back. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wharf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. AroundTheBlockPress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low, and put my hands in the dirt. I try to stop the world from moving so fast. And sometimes what I do is I get down low, I put my hands in my recycling blue cart, and I dig for a hamburger and see if I can uh, pull that out of there. Mmm, mm, hamburger. Mmm, mm, hamburger. Mmm, in blue mm. carton. And some old greasy French fries. Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. All right, that, that sort of is our... <laughs> so is much a, for that mental image. ...is our lead-in to, uh, to our conversation in the second hour, and we're just absolutely thrilled to have Alderman Scott Wagesback from the 32nd, the fighting 32nd Ward... Here <laughs> to, to in bar- his Cubs to bar- hat to borrow from Stephen Colbert. Um, uh, here in the studio, and there he is with his Cubs cap on and everything. And you can watch Good us morning. on Facebook Live and see his Cubs hat. Yeah, and so uh, get on Facebook Live, and you can see uh, the Alderman. And we're going to tell you right now: uh, you're welcome to call us at eight four seven four seven five fifteen ninety eight four seven four seven five one five nine zero. If you got questions for the Alderman, because there's a lot going on, as, as always. You know, it's it never a dull moment in, in the city of Chicago, is it? Never, no. It's nonstop fun, but it's uh, nonstop uh, trying to keep up with all the stuff that's going on in yeah. City Hall. Yeah, so uh, uh, he's here. To, mainly we're going to talk about recycling because that's my deal here, and probably other environmental stuff, anything that's sort of related. Because I could, I could talk about schools, I could talk about cops and what would be the point here because everybody else does that, but nobody talks about the environment. 
That's and, right. And you know, and that's why I'm here. That's why I have this this darn show so that I can get that information out because nobody else is talking about it and it is it's a continuing source of frustration to me that it slides by the radar and then and or uh, you know you have these and, and occasionally you got people talking about it uh i i have issues with fran spielman at the sun times but at least she covers this you know that's what i like she will get the that out and so she writes about Charles Williams, the commissioner of the Department of Streets and Sanitation, going in and saying, well, you know, people are trying to recycle, but they're recycling the wrong things. Dude, (laughs) did you really say that? Did you just did you really say that at city council? And did you really say that? Well, yes, he did. (laughs) You know, uh, did you really say that? Well, you know, you you could recycle everything right, but somebody's going to walk down the street and throw a hamburger in your recycling bin and then the whole thing's contaminated. What? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Very frustrating. And I did this little bit of research about uh, different cities, and we all know the drill, but I just need to remind folks that the city of San Francisco has an 80% recycling rate. The city of Los Angeles has a 76% recycling rate. The city of Seattle has a 60% recycling rate. Austin, Texas has 42%. The city of New York City. The city of New York City. New York City has any, if you look at it, anywhere between 17 and 22 percent. Some people say as high as a third of their stuff gets recycled, and they're uh, beating themselves up and saying we got to do better. Chicago, we're about nine percent right yeah, now. That's that's if uh, you believe what they're saying, right? Uh, <laughs> and even Ari- where Ariana just <laughs> fell off her chair. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, and, you got to believe something. And who's <laughs> counting it too? Who's auditing it? How no do we know? One. Absolutely no one. There's. No, you want to start there? Yeah, we, yeah, I think that's a good place to start. There's no accountability. Nobody's paying uh, any attention to this. Uh, and the only thing that's happening are these goofy, oops stickers and goofy right. other things that you know. And and I was president of the chicago recycling coalition for six years and we started when i started we were still dealing with blue bag okay so 95 we, right? uh, well I, I wasn't I, i'm you know i wasn't part of the organization there but it was the tail end of blue bag all right when i got in and we were still going to city council and doing protests against blue bag believe it or not because everybody in the world except richie daly knew it didn't work <laughs> Everybody in the entire on I the entire laughed, planet but... knew it didn't work except yeah. Richie Daly, um, and I don't know what he had these blinders on uh, regard uh, regarding blue bag. I don't know what it was because he had all these great people in the Department of the Environment, and I'm sure they were beating him up and saying, "You got it, you got to, you got to fix this, you got to switch it," and it didn't happen until 2008. And then, of course, the the economy tanks, and then they can't even roll it out for five years. I yeah. mean the Recycling in Chicago is such a hot mess that I don't know how we fix it. At any rate, so we're going to take a short break here, and I want to remind folks that uh, Alderman Scott Wagner from the 32nd Ward is here in the studio. We're going Wagaspec. to Wagaspec. What did I say? Wagner. Wagaspec. I'm sorry. Famous uh, soccer player. But, that's, hey, that's okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. It's, at least I didn't say Scott Stewart. So that's, that's, that's <laughs> that was last week. That was last week from Millennium Park. Scott Wagaspec. This is what happens when you're you're thinking ahead of yourself and you're <laughs> and you're watching the clock count down before the break. Uh, give us a call eight four seven four seven five. 
1590-847-475-1590. And I'll be really honest with you. I don't care if you call because I got questions galore here, and so does Peggy. Um, we can keep this guy occupied for uh, <laughs> hours. Hours. <laughs> and we have. I have. I mean, I, I go to these CAPS meetings, and he'll be there, and I'll drag him aside afterward, and you can see his eyes rolling because, oh, no, i got to answer these questions. <laughs> All right. Scott Wagesback, I got it right uh, this time, uh, is here on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We will be right back. Please stay tuned. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. What's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner Supply Company. Go to ampleharvest.org holiday to learn more. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. This is your talk. Do you read me? On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Come on, is anybody even out there? We got three R's we're going to talk about today. We got to learn to reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Well, if you're going to the market to buy some juice, you got to bring your own bags and you learn to reduce your waste. We got to learn to reduce. Except in Chicago. No, we got to learn here, too. Uh, and uh, I'll try not to get too cynical uh, during the course of the conversation, but nah. in the studio, the guy with the uh, the baseball cap, and it's not even a cubby blue, it's a gray, cubby gray. I guess that, that's fitting. Down. Was it was it blue at one time? Yes, it was. Oh. <laughs> I don't throw these away. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's a, See, here's the problem with my baseball caps is when I sweat into them, they shrink, and then uh, you, they don't do that for you? No, they just turn gray. Yeah, they <laughs> Acid or whatever in your sweat. Uh, it's 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 um, peroxide that's in your. Not I, I can't, not sure, I can't but remember. in the sailing world, so the coveted. <laughs> 
baseball cap in the sailing world is the Mount Gay sponsored red hat from different regattas because they're always limited edition. Okay. And if you're sporting one that's like the color of the walls in here, you got to have it's faded, faded to pink, orange, and yeah, it does the same thing. Cool. All right. <laughs> Since we're talking about faded caps. Since we're talking about <laughs> faded caps. Uh, anything else we want to talk befo- about before we get to the serious stuff? I don't think so. Uh, and uh, Alderman Scott Wagesback is here. And and one of the reasons is that you put a post uh, recently on your Facebook page, and it was about an article. I mentioned Fran Spielman at the Sun-Times had written something recently, and that's because we're we're in budget negotiations right now for the city. And that's coming up this week, right? Uh, we've been in for about two and a half weeks. I know, but the, when's the vote? Is... Uh, it'll be a week and a half. Week and a half. So yeah. we're we're in the home stretch here. Yeah. yeah, we're getting there. And so one of the things that's going to come up is the 2018 budget uh, that's got to include uh, streets and sanitation, the Department of DSS, sometimes people will call it. Uh, and that's our, our our wonderful recycling situation, the program in Chicago. And... Uh, as we mentioned before the break, for the longest time, for about 15 years, we had something called blue car, uh, blue bag, uh, which didn't work because you put all your recyclables in a bag and then they smooshed it in with the trash and then tried to pick out the recyclables and that didn't work. And then the blue carts got rolled out, but it took forever to get them rolled out, uh, five years, uh, and f- suddenly everybody had blue carts. And then uh, Rahm Emanuel, who was by then mayor, uh, instituted this thing called managed competition. And the theory was that uh, it was to crack the whip on city workers who uh, theoretically weren't doing their jobs properly. And, you know, that you could actually make some arguments about too many guys on a truck and that sort of thing. Given the 21st century, that's not the way yeah. the economies work. OK. Right. Um, and so the idea was let's bring in private companies and we'll give them parts of the city to recycle, and we'll give the city workers parts of the city to recycle, and we'll see who wins. We'll see who does the best job. What do we know about that? Because we're now six years into that, almost seven, because it's a seven-year contract. And one of the things that's going to happen in 2018 is that that contract is going to be renewed. So what do we know about managed competition right now, Alderman? Well, frankly, we know nothing. I mean, we know a lot of the things that you and I see in the alleys about the stickers going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been some interesting numbers that have popped up just from things that we've looked at in our ward that we expanded to the whole city in terms of the number of bins that get thrown into the landfill that don't get recycled because of the stickers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, bi- the big thing that we know is that there has never been an audit since Mayor Emanuel implemented that managed recycling program. No one had, the Streets and Sand Department has never followed through on any audits. Um, we've asked the Inspector General to do it, Ferguson's office, yeah. but um, you know, to, to get that information, he really has to force the Department of Streets and Sand and the private haulers to, or recyclers to give him the information, and I can imagine that's going to be pretty difficult. And it's, that's interesting given that immediately after managed competition started, I want to say about six months into it, the Emanuel administration was already saying, hey, we saved a million dollars. Now, they did. Oh, it was a lot more than that, I think. Wasn't did they? It? I thought it was, maybe it was, yeah. maybe it was, but they were claiming they had all these savings and they didn't produce any the actual numbers. They just said, hey, we saved all this money. Yeah. Uh, and it was never verified uh, because, as we all know, there's not a lot of transparency in the Emanuel administration. 
Um, so here we are six years down the road, and as you say, there's never been an audit. So how do we know that and, – and by the way, waste management has a third – of the pickups in the city, yeah. they have. There are actually a map just in case you wanted to take. Oh, a look. thank you. Uh, actually, I have it memorized. Oh, but, but you <laughs> know, better than I am. <laughs> uh, well, I, I know that Streets and Sand uh, uh, handles two sections of the city. One is the uh, west side. One is the northeast side. Um, waste manage uh, waste management does sort of um, north. Not not northwest because yeah they do northwest they do mm-hmm. a couple of uh, northwest side and then uh, far south side and then Sims uh, Metal Management does the near south side and the loop area or just south of the loop area so uh, there are there are the, there is that competition but we really just don't have any idea if well you you let me just say when, on the post that you had on Facebook, you were saying that you thought the city workers were doing a pretty good job. Yeah, and it, let, me, let me go back to that uh, savings that the mayor claimed he had several years ago. Uh, I think it was closer to $60 million at the end of the year. He came out and said, we're going to save $60 million. The inspector general's ears perked up, and he said, well, let's have a meeting with Streets and Sand. And if you recall, there was an article about it. He went in and met with them, and he said, show me the books. Show me your numbers. And they basically said, no, we saved I think it was $60 million. <laughs> And he said, well, show me the books. And they got up and walked out. Mm. So that's the kind of information that, you know, when he's trying to get it, he doesn't get it. And that's what scares me about doing an audit now is that we've been doing this for six years straight. And no one has looked at the books. No one has said, here's what we should be doing better. Well, here's the problem with doing an audit now. And you alluded to it. And then I wrote a comment on the page as well, which is the contract's up in April. I know what's going to happen. We're already in the holidays. Yep. City's going to say, we don't have time for an audit. There's no way we can get this done. And so what they're going to do come April is send out this new contract. Uh, we have probably no idea what waste management is going to offer, whether they're going to jack up prices. We don't know what Sims is going to offer. We do know and what the city is because we we city controls those mm-hmm. workers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the mayor's uh, commissioner, he basically said, oh, waste management doesn't feel good about this contract. You know, they feel like it's not working. And I'm thinking, well, what are they going to ask for in the next one? Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we found a lot of problems just recently, and I'll tell you one of them. Uh, We we get a lot of complaints about the orange stickers. Now they put an oops sticker on it. Yeah, and and would you explain what that is so folks know if they live in the city of Chicago? Well, it was a mistake making them, (laughs) but... uh, (laughs) Uh, I, so I, it's well, a it's a sticker that it's just a uh, probably like you know eight by four sticker, and when waste management or Sims or the city finds a problem with your recycling, like you were talking about the uh, hamburger package or something right. like that, or styrofoam, whatever. It and might this be. is something that that Charles Williams said, the commissioner said that, well, we can't hold people resco- responsible for their own. Uh, recycling bins because somebody might throw in contamination like a hamburger and then right. the whole thing's contaminated and we can't find them because they didn't do it. That's not they're not the the, the evildoers. Oh, I could see if that was like a bag of dog poop or something, but I mean, come on. I, and I I go out religiously and try to clean out my stuff, my mm-hmm. neighbor's stuff, but um, and there are people throwing a lot of wrong things in there, styrofoam and plastic being two big ones, but. We were curious because we were seeing a lot of these stickers, and people were saying, look, I saw uh, waste management going down the alley, and they were just tagging, and they put a sticker over it so you can't open the bin. What happens when they put that sticker over the bin is that the city is then forced to come and throw that complete uh, 
blue bin into the landfill. It goes exactly. into the garbage truck. And it means that the, the garbage pickers have to come and haul right. that away the yes. next time they come through the alley. So it's one more thing that they mm-hmm. have to throw in. Right. And if they, it, it's all about timing, too. So if they had already gone through your alley and picked up the black bin, uh, they're not going to be back for a couple weeks yeah. or a week. And they might not see that. So the recycling just sits there and gets worse. Not only that, you can't recycle in it anymore because right. it's, it's, it's sealed. It's sealed. Right. So it, it causes harm in several ways it just it just uh starts the domino effect yeah. in different ways so not not to mention that we then send it to a landfill that waste management owns so we're paying more to send it to the landfill that should be part of the audit but the the big thing for us we were sitting there think you know hearing why why are there literally like dozens of these being tagged in certain alleys and people were telling us that they would see these guys go down and just tag 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 without even opening the bins yeah so I was curious, and I, I looked up. Uh, we ran our own three one one numbers. We got access to it, and I found that through September, my ward had something like seven thousand tags from waste management private bins. And if you look at the map, it doesn't cover the entire area. Mm-hmm. On the city side, I had ninety six. Uh, yeah, so your ward is the, split between. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's split between different waste ma- private waste management right. and the which city is so guys. that actually that's that's actually kind of good yeah because it gives you a chance to see how the city workers are doing and how waste management is and, doing. The, and those are those are rough numbers but they were pretty telling so we said well let's run it for the whole city and what we had found with tens of thousands of blue bins that had been tagged by private haulers where they didn't even you know they don't even open them and the city workers had done hundreds now. Does that mean that the the city workers opened it up, looked at it, were pretty thorough about it? I hope so. But what does that say about how many waste management is tagging? And Mm -hmm. so that became a problem as well. Um, The city had no answer for that in the budget hearings. So you're saying, and I want to recap this. So you're saying that your people are telling you anecdotally you're hearing that waste management goes through and might not even open up a bin before they tag it. What would be the point of that? I think it's just uh, there's a couple things there. They've argued that because recycling, is, you know, they're not getting the value out of it because of the economy. Um, because they, they're it. locked into a contract. Yes. And, and and the difference, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, but no, the difference okay. is w- with the city workers, because they're city workers, we get, meaning the city, gets the value of those recyclables when they pick it up, right? Correct. Correct. So you you would think that if you were going to do this, Economically, you would have city workers pick it up all over the city because then the city gets all of the value of the recyclables. If, if they're doing it correctly and if they're pulling the bad stuff out of those, which I think they should be. And I know there's an issue about this issue came up of what type of recycling center you have. Mm-hmm. You know, what does a sorting center look like and how does it operate? Um, but this should tell us that we've got a – the bottom line is we've got a serious problem in the city with recycling and we're hemorrhaging – uh, dollars, taxpayer dollars, and we're also hemorrhaging on the side of uh, the basically environment. We're not only are we throwing the stuff in the landfill by probably tens of thousands of tons that we shouldn't be, but mm-hmm. we're losing money as a city. And it's inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Uh, and it can be done, as has been shown in major cities all over this continent and all over the world. That's that's the part that galls me. It's uh, it's as if these people come into city council and they say, we don't want to do it the right way. We want to do it the Chicago way. Yeah. 
I think, uh, yeah, no, that's true. That's the frustrating part. It and is, because they can... almost take a perverse pleasure in saying, hey, we're not New York, we're not L.A., we're Chicago, and we get it wrong. By, yeah, by God, we're going to do it we're, wrong, and exactly. we're going to waste what, money. What's the point of that? <laughs> so we, we have to look at what is going on here. And, and, I, and I have said for years, it just all boils down to political will. Um, that right. Richie Daly, as I said earlier, uh, for some reason had this terrible blind spot. You know, he hasn't made the the best economic deals in the world. And we and we have to, to point out that Scott Wagesback is one of five aldermen who voted against the parking meter deal, okay? Let's you get a <laughs> you get a ding for that, pal. Thank uh you. and uh and we'll talk about you running for mayor later, but we won't bring that up yet. Uh but you know Richie didn't always have the best business sense. Uh and he Yes, you were going to. I was going to say, I thought he had good sense to create the Department of Environment. Yes. And I think that came about because a lot of environmentalists in the city, you were probably there too, that really pushed for that mm-hmm. department to be created at a time when we were starting to think about climate change, about the environment. And I think it was, that was one thing that I thought he did really well at. Yeah. Unfortunately, Mayor Manuel comes in and says, out with the Department of Environment, it doesn't work. And that's where I think we run into additional problems. And and that was going to be my point, which is that ultimately uh, Daly didn't care enough about recycling to get it done right. Rahm, Rahm Emanuel certainly doesn't care. I mean, I don't think the environment is even on his radar at all. Uh, and this is m- my own personal opinion uh, because it all starts at the top. And if the mayor says, get it done, it gets done. Well, for the last 20 years, we have not had a mayor that's going to say, get it done. Yeah. Uh, so we're stuck with a system that doesn't work. There's been no education. Uh, and and the, the other problem here is that folks in the city of Chicago have gotten cynical about it. They think it's all going to the landfill anyway, so they think, so mm-hmm. why should I bother to participate in it? We're being ripped off, and now they're being charged this year, starting this year, for garbage pickup, which I do not have a problem with. I think in a civilized society, you have to pay for those services. Mm-hmm. This is what sets us apart. I think, I think that's true. And uh, my understanding is we brought in almost $60 million from, from that charge. But the thing that you've got to do with that charge then is use those funds to improve the recycling program, to improve your other landscape uh, recycling program. And it just goes into the general budget, and they can't track. They don't say yeah, there's no it goes to education. Where it goes. Yeah. Right. So all we're doing is tagging people with another bill and saying, good luck. All right. We've got about 60 seconds here, and we'll break, and then we'll come back mm-hmm. with this. One of the things, several of the things I want to discuss are pay as you throw, because I don't hear enough about that. There have been rumblings uh, in the, I don't know if city council or in the administration about pay as you throw, which to me makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would like that. Um, and that's basically you pay, you pay for your garbage, the amount of garbage you throw out, which means that if you have more recycling, you're not paying as much for that. And I and think if you've got 10 cans versus one or a, yeah. a smaller can, I mean, instead of a 96 gallon can, maybe you've got a 48 mm-hmm. gallon can. You know, I could use that. You probably could do use that. I mean, I wouldn't even fill up a 48-gallon can, although I can fill up my recycling mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, cart. Yeah. It's pretty so rare that I do. Talk about that. We'll talk about yard waste disposal, which came up recently on this show. It's all with Scott Wagesback, Alderman from the 32nd Ward. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. 
Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. And, of course, uh, this is uh, in keeping with the subject. The name of the song is Take Me Out. And, so, <laughs> and, 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 that, and, and that means recycling as well. Uh, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Scott Stewart, you were, look, you were pointing to the screen there. Uh, yeah, to his comment. Uh, he says, managed competition only works in a system built on transparency and meaningful analysis. Otherwise, it is little more than a euphemism for lackadaisical, misguided privatization Ow! Wow! Give that man a ding! Oh my goodness! Well, and the one, of course, Kathleen wrote earlier. She said, "Waste management sucks," and so that's not quite as eloquent, but it gets to the the heart of the matter as well. Uh, But it's not just waste management; it's 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 what we're doing, the whole process as a city. Um, And uh, but before we move on, uh, Brandon, during the break, mentioned. Uh, working for the forest preserves. And this is part of our issue in the city of Chicago and in major metropolitan areas. What was it you were telling us, Brandon? So I volunteer with the forest preserve, and uh, quite often during the summer when we go there, people have thrown out their home trash or they bring their TVs and they bring you know, all the stuff that they can't TVs? throw out of recycling. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, you make it illegal to recycle these things or throw them out. What are they going to do with them? Find uh, a Dump them. Yeah. yeah. Because they're idiots. Well, it's the path of least resistance. Yeah, I know. So, wow. And so you got to clean that stuff up. That's You say you and usually devote one day to that. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I volunteer there. So it's I do it for free. Well, well, congratulations to you for being a volunteer, okay? And I'm sorry that you've got to put up with other people's trash. That just seems... Ding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. we got to give that man ding a, di- for a ding for that. 
All right. So, um, Alderman Scott Wagespach from the 32nd Ward is here in the studio with us. We were talking before we went to break about pay-as-you-throw. Uh, where do we stand on that? And again, as I explained, it would basically, you'd be charged for what you throw away to some degree. It's not perfect, but it does work. And I, you know, I've done some studies on it and, uh, and, and it, it, it really does work, but we don't, again, seem to have the will, the political will Mm -hmm. to try that. Let me put it this way. We didn't have the political will to tax plastic bags until we did. And then it worked. All right, and environmentalists were telling uh, uh, the aldermen. I had meetings with Cardenas, and I had meetings with Moreno, and we said, "You got it. You got to put a fee on him. You have got to do it." And they said, "No, we can't do that because it's another tax, and people will revolt." And then they, then, then they came up with this horrible law that everybody was getting around, and we were an embarrassment. We became a national joke. Yeah. And then they had to pass a real law, and guess what, folks? It worked. And this is the thing that environmentalists were telling them for years. So. Environmentalists say, do pay as you throw because it makes sense. It's fairer. It's mm-hmm. a fairer way to deal with this. So where, where do we stand with that? Uh, we're nowhere in the city on that. We, we have brought it up a couple of times in budget hearings in the past years. Um, we've brought it up in different conversations and just said, look, you know, do we have to be drastic here to get people moving in the right direction? And um, I don't think pay as you throw is that drastic. I mean, I guess for some people it is. When you look at the willpower that we have to do the most what's, basics, what's, what's drastic about it? I mean, if the idea is, you oh, first of all, you pay for the size of the bin you yeah. have, and there's probably going to be two, maybe three at most, different sizes. All right, so if you need to throw away a lot of trash, you have a big bin, and let's say you pay fifteen dollars for that. If you have a bin half that size, you pay ten dollars. If you have a bin that's a quarter of the size, you pay five. End of story. And then the rest of it you recycle and you you save money the less you throw away. Yeah, I think what I mean drastic, it's the those who don't have the political, you know, will to do that as we're talking about here. I mean, we, we could barely get over that hump of uh, you know, the recycling or recycling bags and the plastic bags. And that that was a political joke too, that first time that it went through, because it basically created a, an opportunity for even thicker bags to be produced. Right. And and we had to come back and amend it. But that was a that was a political thing that was going on there. It was about money for a particular person. And unfortunately, yeah, it was. I'm I'm so glad you said that. And Mm -hmm. we're not not going to name. It was a scam. It was a scam. Somebody. And and that's why I voted against it the first time. Because, yeah, yeah, it was obvious. And it was like, I'm not going to vote for something where these guys are playing shenanigans Mm -hmm. with uh, people out there. And. And, and that's the same kind of stuff over and over again. So when you see us voting no against things that might be environmentally good once in a while, it's because it's more damaging than it is good um, when you really look at it. But but I think pay as you throw, going back to that, um, it's an important step that we could take. Uh, you mentioned that we're paying for uh, the black bins right now, you know, and we've we've made tens of millions of dollars off of that. But again, where does that money go? It goes into the the big pit of taxpayer dollars are just getting spent anywhere yeah. instead well, like of the, the like the five cents off the plastic bag tax that yeah. goes to the, the the slush fund and that's all i can say is it's, because we don't know where it's going it doesn't go for education it doesn't go to improve other services re, you know regarding environmental issues and and that's the problem we have is that the mayor doesn't take that second step or that third step to make sure that those funds that are brought in for that are then returned back into that economy I read these things about the mayor, and I and I was reading one yesterday as I was preparing for this. It said somebody wrote something. You know, 
and they said that you know the mayor really does care about the city and and I actually believe that I believe that except that he's not transparent about anything anything at all and so that how how am I supposed to know if you care if you won't let us see the workings of what you're doing yeah I think at that point you can say he doesn't and I've I've been pretty adamant about that when you when we sit there and we say, look, we need X amount of dollars for mental health services or for extra trucks to do uh, sweeping at the end of the year or whatever it might be, you know, looking at some of the environmental issues. And they say, OK, uh, go find the money for it. Like I can find that money anywhere. I can find it through auditing recycling. I could find it through auditing the, the landscape waste program. And we're talking about tens of millions of mm-hmm. dollars in those programs that just goes back into the slush yeah. fund that could be used for those things. So their argument for those of us like in the progressive caucus or those of us arguing against, uh, say, the parking meter deal is always, well, why don't you go find the money? And that is not that's not the issue there. Are, um, it's not that we have to constantly raise fees or fines. Um, there are savings, there are efficiencies in the programs that we have if we would just actually have the willpower to audit them and be transparent instead of trying to hide everything. And apply the money. And apply the money in the right way. Yeah. Uh, Where the money goes is always a big deal. I mean, it's not just good enough to do things right in an environmentally sound way. We have to know where the money's going. Uh, But uh, let me give kudos to one program in the city that actually does really work well, and that's the C&D, Construction and Demolition Recycling. That's right. It's like up to, you know, depending on who you talk to, somewhere between 60 and 80 percent effective, uh, or the rate is 60, 80 percent. That's great. In fact, when you go online and you look up, uh uh-oh, Audie the dog just (laughs) wandered in here. (laughs) Hi, Audie. There's a tail wagging yeah. there. <laughs> um, when you, yeah, okay, okay, I'll pet you. All right, all right, I'll scratch your head. All right. Uh, when <laughs> when you go online and you look at the efficiency of Chicago recycling, a lot of uh, sites will say, yeah, Chicago's up to like 50%. And you scratch your head until you realize they're including C and D. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing it by weight. We can't recycle a plastic bottle, but we can re- recycle a whole building that is torn down. Yeah. All right? That's that's the uh, that's irony. Sad. Yeah, that is sad. Very quickly, two more things, one of which is yard waste. And I've talked about it here. Monica Eng uh, did a piece recently yep. because she came on the show and we talked about it. And I said, you got to do something on this. And she said, yeah, I'm already thinking about it. And so we talked. And then she did this piece and she showed basically that the 311 opt-in program for yard waste Recycling yard waste in Chicago doesn't work. And as I have always said, and I say repeatedly, if you want a a program to fail, make it an opt-in. Instead of just coming out there with the trucks and doing it, the city, in its infinite wisdom, said, yeah, if you call us, we'll pick it up, but you got to call us first. Who does that? Nobody does that. Um, And yet the state has mandated that we cannot put yard waste into landfills. And the city is basically violating that, although they would argue now that, well, no, we've got the 311 program, so this is their way of getting around the law. That 311 program is a joke. It's a, it's a pretty big failure. I think, um, they, again, they can't point to any information that it's been successful. If you talk to any of the laborers, they'll just say, no, we're just told to throw it into the garbage trucks. And, again, that, um, that weight goes right into the landfills. And we have to remember that the city ends up paying for – um, every time we throw something in a landfill, we're paying for that. Mm-hmm. So taxpayer dollars are going straight into the landfill again. And, you know, they might, I think what happens is they, they do recycle maybe a few hundred tons or maybe tens of tons. 
just to it's make it tens. look like it's, it's actually probably tens. It's tens. It's I mean, Oak Park puts the city of Chicago to shame. Yeah. And I, I think they do it just to say, hey, we've actually done some of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, again, when you were talking to Dr. Bastian, I think, before yeah. I came in, and you look at the, the number of leaves that fell down now, I look at it as an opportunity to try to get all that stuff off the streets and, and get it into where it should be, which is the recycling. Yeah. But um, that's a wasted opportunity again. It, it absolutely is. We had a real quick question about, what was that, Peggy? Uh, we've got a question on Facebook um, that people are contaminating her uh, recycle bins. She says, so I assume everything I recycle is not actually being recycled. Do private firms sort? Well, I think the, I think the question is, and this, this came up about the types of recycling centers that exist. Mm-hmm. And this is probably something that you know better than I do. But um, we threw, you know, waste management facility to the city facility at uh, Fullerton and uh, Ashland. Everything goes into a, this one stream, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's sorters out there that do a better job of, of blowing the stuff apart, uh, separating it. So I think it depends on who the company is. Lakeshore, I understand, does a better job I've of that. I've been out there, and I've seen the operation. Yeah, yeah they, and they're I, very good at it. I see Lakeshore up there. I can't read the whole thing. But if it's Lakeshore, it's probably a, a much better job uh, on the other facilities. When you go there and you see it's just one giant pile of everything, that makes you wonder, you know, are we really doing the right thing here? And I don't think so. And that's the problem. When people think that it's just going in the landfill and we're not doing it, they're not they're going. Cynical. They're not yeah, going to bother. They, they, and yeah. we have to overcome this culture of cynicism. <laughs> Okay. You're right. Audie agrees. Good dog. All right. (laughs) Before I let you go, what about 2019? Are you thinking about it seriously, running against Rahm Emanuel? Well, I think, you know, over the the years, I've just tried to do things the right way all the time. I don't think it's a problem, and I wish more people in government would do that, especially in the city and the state. We look where we're at. And so that that's what I would look to to say, you know, can we do things better in 2019 and beyond? And yeah. that that would uh, I think hopefully if it resonates with people, then it's something to look at. But you have to overcome this uh, mountain of money that the American raise overnight. All I got to say is if you did it, there would be an army behind you and I would be one of those people. I would come and work Thanks. for you. And I'm saying it live on the radio here so keep that in, and i and i'll bring people with me i got i got an <laughs> army behind me that would come and work for you as well okay alderman scott w- waggis back 32nd ward thank you so much for You're coming welcome. by it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki rick DeMaio is next Hi, this is Lisa Albrecht from the Illinois Solar Energy Association, and once again, we are raffling off a Tesla to one lucky winner. This year, it's the 2017 Tesla Model X. That's the sports utility vehicle. The proceeds go to ISEA for our work in advancing clean energy development in Illinois. Each ticket is $100, but you can get four for $300. Only 2,500 tickets will be sold, and you can buy as many as you'd like. The drawing is December 7th, and you don't need to be present to win. Go to IllinoisSolar.org for details. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. 
After a big party is over, the people get to go home, but all the decorations get thrown in the trash. That's why there's random acts of flowers. RAF collects flowers used at weddings, memorial services, and community events, then repurposes them into beautiful bouquets to deliver to people in healthcare facilities. It's a small and simple gesture, but when you see the smiles on people's faces, it's more than worth it. To learn more, call 847-430-4751 or go online at rafchicago.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. We need Rick DeMaio. Oh, really? Okay, well, then we still got uh, Scott Waggis back here. I'm good to go. All right, good. <laughs> we could can, we just keep going. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, uh, and I'm sure Peggy is now texting uh, Rick DeMaio. I will. <laughs> uh, it's the new schedule. We used to do the Saturday thing, and he was on with us on Saturdays. And I did remind him yesterday, and I'm not sure... What has happened? Uh, I doubt that he's sleeping because he's already sent us. I was going to say, didn't he email you? He emailed us all kinds of stuff already about weather for, uh, you. do you know Rick DeMaio? Are you familiar with him? Okay. He's uh, been doing weather in Chicago for years, was at Fox, oh, there he is, Fox Yay. 32 and WBBM and all kinds of different places. In fact, that's the guy there right now. Rick, how are you? Yeah, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Peg. Good morning. How are you? Uh, we have in the studio with us Alderman Scott Wagesback from the 32nd Ward. We were talking about recycling and stuff here. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you guys have uh, – apparently you haven't met, so I'm introducing you you both here. Nice to meet you, Alderman. Good How morning. are you today? Very good, thank you. Uh, and uh, we were talking earlier, Rick, uh, with uh, Rex Bastian from uh, Davy Tree Care Ex- Experts. And uh, I wanted to uh, make sure I gave them, I just, uh, while I'm talking about it, um, give them uh, a quick uh, bit of love here. If you're uh, interested, uh, you can go to com and find out more about them. And uh, he was talking about the leaf drop of all in in the last week. And and so was uh, Alderman Wackesback, because one of the things that's going on is all these leaves have dropped. But guess what? The sweeping is, I thought it ended December 1st. When does it end? Uh, well, if it, when you're talking about a major thoroughfare, it'll keep going. Yeah. But for the residential streets, it is pretty much done. We're, we're, we're pretty much done. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're going to have a lot of these leaves on the streets all winter, Rick. <laughs> Frozen That's in the curbs. I, I beg people, I, please I, lift them. Take them up. Yeah, I, I, I think what we have to do is realize that um, uh, with climate change and climate variability, our uh, end of the growing season has pushed back um, on average over the last 15 years. It's pushed back about two weeks. And being that we just had our first freeze mm-hmm. um, earlier this week, the growing season ended up, Mike and Peg, I think you saw that email I sent you earlier, ended up being 234 days long, where wow. typically in the Chicagoland area, Peg, uh, typically right up along the lakefront, it's about 204 days. Uh, when you head into the western sections of Cook County, 
Uh, it's probably right around 185 or so. From So from the western side of Cook County to the eastern side of Cook County, it can actually vary about 20 days. But this year, it's gone on much, much longer. Um, and it was really interesting, guys. When I flew back into the Chicagoland area on Friday, I was back in New York for a couple of days, I was amazed uh, the view above how many trees still have their leaves on them, mm-hmm. and not only that, uh, they're green. Yeah. Um, so they're 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 holding on pretty pretty long, and I wouldn't be surprised, being that the fact that this is probably going to be our coldest day, get this over the next two weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the leaves that are on the trees right now are still on here. Uh, probably right past Thanksgiving, and that's not good for the sewers and the gutters, not at all. No, you know that's that's a really good point, Rick. And I think Scott, this is something that the city, a city like Chicago, needs to be aware of. They need to be paying attention to climate change and saying, you know what, we really need to budget our street sweepers till December first because right. this is how the weather is changing and the climate is changing and just look at what's going on this year with all these trees and as Rick says, if we get warmer again, some of those leaves are gonna stay <laughs> up there and they're not gonna fall for another couple of weeks. Right. But 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 not even budget, just just change the schedule. You know, stop starting the you know, the normal at you know, whenever you do it and push it back about two weeks because this isn't just this just this year. It's been going on now uh, for about 10 years. And even up here in Evanston, um, I'm amazed at how many leaves are on the trees and how many leaves are actually cluttering the gutters and the, oh, yeah. uh, and the sewers. And when you get the snow that we had a couple of days ago, Peg, and, and you know more than anybody of being up along the North shore there, um, sidewalks are pretty slippery. So when you get, when you get the mm-hmm. snow that kind of packs down and you get the leaves on top, and I know it sounds like, you know, trivial stuff, but it wasn't easy walking uh, on on Friday afternoon at all. No, my driveway and my roof, everything is just a layer of leaves with snow and ice on top of it. Yeah, yeah, it makes it makes the cleanup makes the cleanup pretty difficult. And and speaking of snow, it's actually coming down pretty good, moderate to heavy snow from Rockford down to about Rochelle, uh, DeKalb, westward. Oh. Even though I think the snow is going to occur here, it's probably going to mix in with a little mm-hmm. bit of rain. We have a little bit of a wind off the lake, and with the ground. Uh, kind of wet and also kind of just above freezing. Uh, most of the snow, if it does fall, it's going to fall pretty good uh, between about 11:30 and about one o'clock for about an hour and a half. It's going to look kind of nice, but uh, or look kind of. <laughs> I, I guess the better <laughs> That's word. That's a relative is it, wow, term. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I didn't know it was going to do that today. Uh, it should melt pretty quickly. But the bottom line is, once we get past today, we get into a mild pattern that that features quite a bit of uh, wet weather and also some warm weather. For the next 10 days. Wow. I, it's just so interesting seeing all of this. And even uh, Dr. Bastian, who was on, was a little confused about about things and trying to, to, to put it in perspective and figure out what to tell people about how their trees are reacting to this. But so many of them still have the green leaves. And, and I took a photo, a Rick, of, uh, of the snowfall. And uh, then the tree dropped a bunch mm-hmm. of leaves and they were on top of the snow, which was really odd. Bizarre. Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, but but again, you know what? Um, I, I I don't know how many more times we're gonna you know talk about the fact that we're not getting you know top down um, directive from the government, meaning the federal government and from the EPA. You know, forget about that. It's got to come from the bottom up. And if local <laughs> communities realize that these things are changing, make sure that you are going into your community, the board, through the through the school system, through the local aldermen. Um, 
you know, you just got to say, look, it's not happening that way anymore. Maybe we need to move it a little bit further. And one of the things I've noticed is you may not be plowing as much, but it seems like we're doing more salting. And one of the things I do on the side is I, I do some forecasting for uh, one of the largest snow removal groups um, in northern Illinois. And they've noticed as well that because some of the systems are being a little bit more, you know, some of the snow events are a little bit wetter, and we're getting some of the freeze back. Instead of plowing, they're actually doing a lot more salting. Mm. And I was amazed at how much salt the city of Evanston threw down the other day. And you see that a lot in the beginning of the season because, A, they have it, and, B, they, yeah. they want to make sure that the first event is handled very well. But that's not good for the environment. Um, you got to be kind of judicious on using it over the next uh, Four to five months. Well, you're you're right, and and uh, Alderman Wagspack is nodding here, and that's usually that's about PR, isn't it? Yeah, they went with a fifty percent program, and what I was telling my ward superintendent was just do the schools, just do around the schools and the vital areas like a police station or fire station, and save the salt. Don't throw it down in in mm-hmm. you know the massive amounts that they wanted to. Wow, does each ward have its own supply? Uh, no, they don't, but um, they basically, when they call a 50% program, that's half the trucks switch to salt operations, and they want to just throw it everywhere. But, uh, you know, this early in the season, it wasn't a good idea. It's better just tell people, slow down, take your time, get out there instead of So, Rick, uh, where is this leading us? What kind of forecast do we have here? Um, so, again, rain that should snow probably for the next couple of hours. Temperatures right around 33 or 34. Most of it should end by about 2 o'clock. Uh, and then temperatures rise up into the 40s tomorrow, 50s, uh, actually 40s tomorrow and Tuesday, 50s on Wednesday, and then more rain by the end of the week, but nothing in the way of any snow and cold around here for the next 7 to 10 days. <laughs> yeah, and then until it dumps on us again. Okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. Rick, Rick, thanks so much. I'm glad you joined us on Sunday. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Nice meeting you, Alderman. You too, Rick. All right. I want to thank everybody on the show today, Anna Stork. Uh, from Chicago Luminade, and of course, Alderman Scott Wagespan. Oh, and of course, Dr. Rex Bastian from Davy Tree Experts. Also, Ariana and Brandon, and of course, Peggy Malecki. Until next Sunday at 9, go green or go, go home. home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. We'll be right back.